The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. This is News Talk. Welcome to The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up today, get your skewers and tongs out. We're having a barbecue with TV chef Kevin Dundon as he takes us through the essentials for a perfect alfresco meal. Fixing your mortgage for 30 years, I look at the pros and cons of the new long-term products available now on the market. Do you have a problem with ants or bugs around the home? Well, you're not alone and help is at hand. And if you want to go wild with your interior decor, we have the ultimate guide to getting that jungle look inside the home. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can text us here on The Home Show at 53106 for 30 cent or email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. I'm on Twitter at Sinead underscore Ryan. And remember, you can listen back or listen live to the show uh, on the News Talk app, which is powered by Go Loud. Now, my grandfather was a wonderful furniture maker. Our garage, he lived with us. So our garage is packed with his original tools, nuts and bolts, always tidied away in a very particular way in a cabinet that he made himself. We kids weren't allowed near it unless we were prepared to learn how to use it all. Now, my father and brother are both both great at DIY, actually. But my other half, he can put together the IKEA furniture. But I'll be honest, I am rubbish. Anything past changing a light bulb, I'm afraid I'm out. Now, is that sexist? Well, I'm mirroring research done by the Home Value Hardware Group, which shows that just 30% of women enjoy DIY around the house and skills are abating generally. And more than a third of people they found would hire a handyman rather than doing repairs ourselves. I'm kind of with them on that. Is this the kind of thing we should be teaching in school? Would we be less disposable with our furniture and appliances if we knew how to repair things. Does it matter or can you just Google it? Well, look, let me know what you think. Are you good at DIY or are you all thumbs? And would you pass on your skills to your kids or just not, like me, have a clue where to start? Let me know. Text me on 53106 or email us here on the home show at newstalk.com. In the meantime, you are very welcome along to today's show. <laughs> Now, I like to do it, my husband likes to do it, and we like to do it together. Yes, there's nothing better than a good old-fashioned barbecue. Shame on you for thinking anything different. Well, my next guest has been cooking up a storm online with his own barbecue at home in the beautiful Dun Brody house. And I'm delighted to say that he's here to share some of the must-have secrets and recipes with us this morning. Celebrity chef, author and now winemaker, Kevin <laughs> Dundon. Good morning and good welcome morning. back good. to the Home Show studio. I know, it's beautiful. It's actually nice to be in studio as opposed to being on the it telephone. somewhere, day out. I know, it's a day out. <laughs> Everybody's really giddy around town and in Dun Brody is like all the guests coming down there they just, just have this so giddy excited to, to be doing really something really normal again now the barbecue um okay the weather had been fantastic not now so fantastic but it'll come back i'm sure you are a big fan of them now let's get the first big argument out of the way gas or charcoal well my my uh, preferred cooking source would be charcoal but i mean not everybody can have charcoal so there's there's a way of introducing flavor into the gas barbecues as well and it's really important when you're working with a barbecue, whether it's gas or, or, uh, or charcoal. So let's talk about charcoals first. So you, you light your fire, your charcoals, and you build it up in the center and get it super hot. Mm. And then you kind of want to move it to the side so you keep one side of your barbecue cool. I say cool, but warm. 
and the same with your gas barbecue. You know, there was, there's three rings on a gas barbecue. Two on full and one on low. Oh, right, okay. So, so you start your cooking. You start your cooking on the hot temperature, and then move it across to slow, slow temperature because, uh, like when you when you uh, you know, how often have you been to a barbecue where you get a lovely charred sausage? And it's not the it's not the chef's fault or the you know whoever's cooking. It's because there's constant heat coming up all the time. Mm. So you need to have a cooler part of your barbecue just to cook it through and, and just keep it keep it perfect. Okay, all right. So um, how th- those those charcoal th- ones though, like I'm I'm a kind of a fair weather barbecue mm-hmm. or like I'll go out when it's really sunny. You know, you can't, can't do anything with more than an hour's notice in this country anyway. And I like it to be instant. I don't want to be hanging around for an hour until it all coals go white and yeah. all that. You bar- Do you barbecue all year round? Yes. And like when I lived in Canada, we used to have our barbecue just outside the back door of the kitchen. And uh, we'd barbecue at minus 35 degrees. And now when I say barbecue, we cooked everything inside except the steaks or whatever protein we were cooking. And we would literally cook those outside for two reasons. One, if you cook outside, you get great flavour off the charcoals anyways. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't smell at your house. I know. So, I know. That's true. So, and you can get Although it at a super hot temperature. Coat and hat and scarf to go out and cook a few steaks. It seems like more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. Now, if you're, um, if you're going to buy a barbecue, and this is yeah. on my wish list now yeah. for my garden this year. So... Tell me wh- how I should, what I should be looking for, where I should go. And I know that you've kind of, you're looking at three headings, convenience, control and flavour. What do you mean by convenience? Convenience is, is handy. So it's those disposable uh, barbecues that you can just go and, you know, those little, uh, they're kind of in a tinfoil yeah. box. They're very convenient. You just uh, throw a match to them and they're light. Yeah, don't bring them to the beach, folks. I hate finding them on the beach. I know, yeah. Well, if you bring them sand. to the beach, bring them home. Yeah. So, <laughs> absolutely. But uh, then the, and also convenience is gas and control because with gas, you've instant control because you can turn it up, turn it down. And convenience for that is you go out, you turn it on in five minutes, you're cooking on, on the barbecue. Now, I'm not cheating by doing that, am I? <clears throat> not at all. It, what I love about barbecuing is, is that it's, it's a real kind of family occasion that everybody gets involved. So everybody's around helping out and everybody's got a little job to do in order to create your meal. I just think it's 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 fantastic with, with a group of friends. Well, yes, you say that, but mm-hmm. in reality, what that very often means for a lot of families is that she is inside doing the prep, the salads, the marinades, pulling yeah. everything together, getting the cutlery down, and he's outside flipping a few steaks. <laughs> well, it's not quite just <laughs> flipping a few steaks. <laughs> well, in our house, I'll tell you what happens in our house. I, I would get our meats and our fish and stuff, and I'd marinate them myself uh, during the yeah. day. And then, yeah, Catherine would do the salads, and, and the kids would get the table set and everything else. But then I bring everything. I, I don't start cooking anything until I have all my food out beside me at the barbecue. So I don't have to move. And that's a great tip because inevitably you'd put something on the barbecue. That is a good And then you'd forget tip. something. You'd run into the kitchen. You yeah. come back and your burger right. or steak yeah. is, is charred. Yeah. So whoever's in charge I of the barbecue. I don't say burnt, I say charred. Dan- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's meant to be like that, folks, yeah, when you yeah, put yeah, it on yeah. the menu. Yeah. Um, so, so the person who's in charge of the barbecue, stand beside it, stay beside it, don't move. And that's, right. that's your great excuse then to pour a glass of wine and just to- that, Totally, that and you have a glass of wine and, and you're talking to your mates or your family and stuff like that. And it's it's very interactive cooking. I okay. think that's what's great. Okay, I am, of course, speaking with Kevin Dundon here on The Home Show here on News Talk and lots of good barbecue tips. Um, now, in terms of the control aspect, you were talking about that, about keeping some of the rings cooler than the other. I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. That actually had never occurred to me. I blast everything up to the full height and yeah. well do initially you know, and then turn down one side 
But yeah. just like one, I'm talking about a quarter of it or a third yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, barbecue, yeah. Not just to keep it warm. Although a lot of barbecues have that rack just above it and you can put the yeah. meat up on that. And yeah, but you'll yeah. still find that the, the heat is so intense that it will still char the, the meat or, or yeah. whatever's up, or your vegetables on the bottom because it's constant heat. That's You need to keep turning them if you're going to put them up there. But the the be- safest way is just turn down one yeah. side. And keep it. And, 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 and that will continue moist. cooking. Okay. So what I do is I, I, if I'm cooking sausages, for example, I would sear them on the outside so they're nice, the beautiful color that you're looking for. Move them aside. They will continue cooking uh, while you're cooking the rest of it. The equivalent to putting them in the oven in the kitchen totally, just yeah, to finish totally, the cooking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, flavor is a big thing. Are we? I suppose marinades are really where it's at. And I'm always um, confused about whether you should oil the food or oil the grill. Or both, just because you don't want food sticking to it. No, you you make sure that your your grill is hot is crucial, and then oil your food, and then when you put it on the barbecue, leave it alone because we have a tendency to yes. move it straight away. Yeah, fiddle and with it. Yeah. If you're fiddling with it, it will stick. So if you leave it alone, it'll, it'll, it'll help it form a crust on the outside, which means it'll, it will lift off and you'll be able to turn it. Okay. Now there's two ways of, of barbecuing. So when you're talking about flavor and stuff like that, it's. Uh, like I was, I barbecue with a famous barbecue in Austin, Texas called Franklin. And, uh, and this is a slow barbecue. So this is like the real McCoy, you know, when, when you get a brisket of beef. And, and all he did was salt and pepper on his brisket beef and wrapped it in, in uh, brown paper. You know that brown paper that you, you, the parcel brown paper? Yeah, yeah. And then he put it into a, a, bar, a barrel barbecue and cooked it for like, I think it was 18 hours. <gasps> And then he opened up the the paper, and wow. the brisket just like fell apart. But wow. there, his his theory is that don't marin, don't flavor the beef, um, make it in your barbecue. So make your own barbecue sauce, and that's why you get the flavor. So let the okay. beef speak okay. for itself, and the salt and pepper will, will the salt will take out the fla- bring out the flavor. And we've got amazing beef over here too. We do indeed. And look, talking about flavor, you have brought some recipes with you today yes. uh, that are specially for the barbecue. Now, let's start with the salad, uh, couscous salad, one of my favorites, I must say. And yeah. um, it, it kind of goes down a treat with everybody. It does. And what's special about this one is it's because it's a barbecue couscous salad, we're actually getting our vegetables, so our peppers, our onions, our mushrooms, and we're actually barbecuing those on the barbecue. And then we, we uh, with the couscous, we just put a little bit of uh, vegetable stock into the couscous, mm. let it expand. And then <coughs> with the vegetables that you've cooked on the barbecue, so you get that lovely char flavor, you mix in through it. Lovely, lovely. So, so you can actually yeah, add nuts to it. Or you could like go, go wild with it. Yeah. Like nuts I like a little uh, kind of pomegranate seeds. Yeah, and pomegranate give it a bit is of nice. Crunch well, pomegranate is really good with barbecues because you've got that lovely freshness and yeah. fruitiness. Yeah. To go and with you the can barbecue. throw anything into couscous salad. I yeah. mean, it's really just open your pantry and see yeah. what's there. Raisins yeah. and all sorts. Yeah. Okay, that's a great one. Um, now, um, the meats, uh, lamb cutlet kebabs. Now, when I'm thinking kebabs, I'm thinking skewers <laughs> and wood yeah. and the. Do you soak the skewers be- yeah. or do you use the metal ones? You can If you're using the metal ones, you don't need to soak them. If you're using wooden ones, soak them in, in water or even beer for... for uh, <laughs> beer would be quite good because okay. you want to introduce some flavour to it. Yeah. And you need to soak them for a half an hour. The reason why you do that is because you, you don't want them to burn. Mm. This is really good for the cutlets because you know the way they're, they're fiddly little things. Yeah. So if you have two skewers and you put them up through the eye of the cutlet, so you put three on a skewer and you're you're turning once for three chops. Oh, okay. Rather yes. than turn, 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 turn. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. And, and they Top look amazing. Tip. They look really, really good. 
Hops, and yes. I put like uh, fresh fresh peas, peas of those today, just like marinated in lemon juice and, and a little bit of oil mint or something, yeah, and mint and just like thrown over top. Like it's it's gorgeous. Now, um, desserts you can even do desserts. Now, th- I love this recipe that you have for peaches yeah. with mascarpone and barbecue. Wouldn't immediately come to mind when I'm thinking about yeah. that. So, how do you do that? So, treat your barbecue like like a stovetop. So, so you get it like a, a cast iron skillet pan. Uh, cut your your peaches and nutrients in half, brown sugar, butter, and uh, orange juice and lemon juice, and you put put that on Yum. top and just let that this is the way like turn turn the the peaches or the nutrients so they caramelize, and then just leave it in the in the cast iron pot pot, and throw two dollops of mascarpone cheese oh, on top. Oh, and it'll oh. melt all over. It's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really it's special. Already. Now, um, let me talk for a minute about this new venture you have because you clearly didn't have enough to do <laughs> with all that you have going on, <laughs> yeah. the books and, and the super value yeah. and the Dunbrody house and all of that. You have become a wine maker. Yeah. Talk no. to me. Yeah, you brought up now this uh, Kevin Dundon wine. Yeah. Uh, so no doubt where it came from. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about how that came about. A vineyard in South of France approached me. They've got a range of wine called Signature Chef Wines. Yeah. And they've selected uh, chefs from all over the world, so about seven of, of us. And it's a wine that's been uh, globally distributed. And basically they asked, would I be interested? And Catherine loves wine and I love wine. And it was a, an amazing project that we did together through mm. COVID, or through lockdown. And uh, well, it started just before it, and then mm. we went through but well, basically what happened was that that uh, we selected the grapes that we particularly wanted, which on the red wine, we went for Shiraz yeah. and and Grenache. And then uh, they sent us over different uh, years, different grape varieties, and then we blended it through Zoom. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, it was mad. Yeah, it was really. We were, was, there were a few of us now doing the old wine tastings on yeah. Zoom, but more <laughs> yeah. at the more at the tasting. So basically, they send you over the grape that's kind of right. the, raw, the raw grape. Yeah, that's that's unfiltered or unpassionate. Like there's, it's just raw grape juice, and then you're blending. So 30, like we ended up with thirty percent Grenache and seventy percent Shiraz. Now there is, and we wanted to get the Grenache gives it that lovely warmth flavor. So it's okay. that lovely round flavor. So it was a question of getting the correct percentage of Grenache to to the Shiraz. And each of these now I see come with a little collar card with a recipe in it. Yes. So and on then the red if, wine, you look, if you look at the back of that, yeah. that QR code, yeah. that actually brings you to a video of me in the south of France cooking the recipes. Ah, uh, sickener. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, I won't feel a bit jealous about that. No. Okay. So these are retailing in Ireland where, Kevin? In Super Value, exclusive to Super Value. So, and they're in store now. And uh, the... White wine is amazing. It's it's a Sauvignon Blanc, hundred percent Sauvignon Blanc. When you open it, you get uh, full of flavour of gooseberries, elderflowers. It's Lovely. just gorgeous. You're really going to enjoy them. So okay. definitely go out and get some. All right, definitely go out and get some. Right, well, um, folks do do that. It uh, They look lovely. I look forward to maybe yeah. uh, sampling that later on for work purposes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking forward to seeing the comments. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Dundon, thank you so much for coming in and joining us on The Home Show. It's lovely to see you back again. Likewise, <laughs> likewise. 
Now, you wait years for one long-term fixed rate to come along and all of a sudden there's loads of them. But tying up a mortgage for 20 or 30 years may not necessarily be a good thing. What if you need to sell up? Are you going to be charged a big fee to get out of it? Well, to help us through the maze of these new mortgage products, I'm joined by Trevor Grant of Affinity Advisors and Chair of the Irish Mortgage Advisors Association. Trevor, you're very welcome along to the Home Show today. Good morning, Sinead. Thanks for having me. Now, let's get started by outlining these new long-term fixed rates. I mean, there was a time, and it wasn't that long ago, you couldn't get anything more than five years on a fix. And now you're looking at 10, 20, even 30 uh, years available. What's happened? Well, what's happened really is we're starting to see innovation from lenders. And we're starting to see it from the non-bank lenders. And that's very encouraging and very important. Uh, it's good for consumers, it's good for competition, and it's particularly important with the with the uh, exit of Ulster Bank from the mortgage market and the potential exit of KBC. Mm. But what's really happened is that um, lenders are trying to find a way in a very competitive market where there aren't enough homes to find ways of having a competitive edge. And really what's happened with Finance Ireland and Avant Money is they're following the European model. They're offering long-term security, flexible mortgage products. And uh, that's to be welcomed, certainly. And whilst they might not be for everybody, they're certainly worth strong consideration. Yeah, because this is quite kind of common outside of Ireland. I mean, you do see people in France and Germany and Belgium and places like that fixing loans for the entire period of their mortgage. Why do you think it wasn't done here before now? It's hard to know. Um, certainly in mainland Europe, the concept is you fix for as long as possible and indeed the term of the mortgage. Interestingly, Avant Money have rolled out similar products in Spain. And I understand 75% of all loans now are done on a, a long-term fixed basis for the term of the mortgage. Mm. I suppose they weren't seen here previously because up until the Finance Ireland announcement maybe three or four weeks ago, the longest term you could fix for was 10 years, as you've said, mm. and the rates weren't attractive. Um, So therefore, all of the competition seemed to be happening around the three and the five year fixed rate. As a nation, we've certainly moved to fixed rates. Uh, Over 80% of all new mortgages are at a three or a five year fixed. Historically, certainly in in, in the uh, early noughties, uh, we certainly saw people taking a variable rate or a tracker rate as they were at Mm. the time. So there is a shift towards fixed rates. And I think we're seeing the move towards the longer term fixed rates now for competitive reasons and and also practically because it's a way of giving some certainty to the lender and also both to the customer. Yes. Now, I mean, on one hand, yes, it does. And certainly if you're a first time buyer and you've been through the maelstrom that is buying a house in Ireland and getting a mortgage in Ireland and you finally bedded it down, the, the last thing you want to do is the thoughts of maybe having a screw up at a future date. I know it can seem very attractive to lock in long and early and low, but what are the drawbacks in doing that? Because the first thing I'd be thinking about is, look, life happens. You might think you're staying put for 20 years or 30 years, but you know stuff gets in the way and you might have to sell up. You may be lucky enough to be able to pay down the loan with an inheritance. Maybe you get separated and divorced and have to sell the house. The banks aren't always that empathetic when, when stuff like that happens, are they? No, that's for sure. And life does happen and things get in the way. And we were we were just chatting earlier, being of the age where we were lucky enough to get the vaccine. <laughs> but our parents, to put the, put it into context, when, if they had been lucky enough to own their own home, would have had a fixed rate for the life of the mortgage. And obviously that concept disappeared completely in the 90s here. So look, for sure, these fixed rates aren't for everyone. If you're thinking of moving home, if you're not necessarily in the home you think you'll be in long term, they're not for you because you may not want to be tied to the lender. Both lenders allow you stay with them and not incur a penalty if you take a new mortgage out with them. They both look at it different ways. Avant money if you borrow uh, with them again within 12 months of selling your first home. 
they will re- redeem or return any fixed rate penalty they charge and you borrow at new rates. Finance Ireland will allow you to carry the rate, the balance and the term of the old, of the existing loan. Uh, and they have this option of cascading rates where the rates fall with the loan to value. And then you borrow any new money at a, a new business rates. Right. So the longer you hang on to it, the lower the penalty. And if you refinance with them, there's no penalty. So it's all about locking in the customer, Trevor, isn't it? Yeah. And that may not be what the customer wants mm. because we don't know what rates lenders will charge in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Mm. So like any financial decision, the mortgage being probably the biggest one because it's their single biggest financial yeah. commitment. A lot of thought needs to go into it. You need to get professional advice. You need to look at all of your options. But it's certainly worth considering. They're flexible products. They offer security of payment. First-time buyers, as you may have seen recently, are now borrowing much later than life. Yeah. Uh, I was certainly lucky enough to buy my first home in the 90s when I was 26. Yeah, you, you know, see, that's nowadays, not happening now. You, you'd You're 35, be 10 years 36. older. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And it's an awful long time to lock in. Now, what are the rates themselves like? Because I remember the times when fixed rates were always traditionally much higher than variable rates. Uh, but that has completely flipped in its head now in about the last five or six years. Uh, are these good value? And uh, most of them would be under 3%. Yeah, so it's worth noticing um, that all fixed rates, certainly up to five years, tend to be lower than the, the standard variable rate at the moment. And as I said earlier, therefore, 80% of customers are going with fixed rates. It's because they're lower and because most lenders will allow you overpaying a fixed rate, but not all lenders. Yeah. And that's important to, yeah. to know that. In terms of these rates, the Finance Ireland rates, where you can fix up to 20 years, uh, there's no rate higher than 2.99%. Mm. So that's re- reasonably competitive. Um, it is. I looked at an example earlier, and if you were lucky enough to borrow at 80% loan to value, and yeah. obviously first-time buyers probably aren't, but you can take a three-year fixed rate with Finance Ireland, for example, at 23 um, but you can fix for 15 years at 28 Well then, final question, Trevor, fix or don't fix, and for how long, if it okay. was yours? So final answer by me is that absolutely fix. Fix because fixed rates are lower than variable rates. Try and secure a fixed rate that allows you to overpay. In terms of how long you want to fix for, that's down to your individual circumstances, mm. what your requirements are. You're probably more likely to do it if you're a mover because you're probably in the, the forever home. You may not want to do it as a first-time buyer because you don't want to be restricted to that lender. Yeah. What I would say is that everyone thinking of getting a mortgage should look at the market, get market-based advice because their own lender can only tell them what rates they offer. They may be the best rates for them and best product for them, but they're not obliged to tell them there's better deals elsewhere. All right. Okay, Trevor Grant, Affinity Advisors and Chairperson of the Association of Irish Mortgage Advisors. Thank you very much for bringing us up to date on all of that here on The Home Show. Thank you, Sinead. I am so not looking forward to this next item uh, and I'm not disrespecting my guest in any way. But if you're a regular listener to the show, you will know that I do not like insects or bugs or creepy crawlies of any sort. But as the weather gets better and we're all eating more outdoors and perhaps doing the barbecuing with uh, with Kevin's recipes, there are going to be more insects inside our home. So what do you do if you find a wasp's nest or an ant colony plaguing your home? Well, my next guest will have the answer to all your problems and thank goodness for that Richard Faulkner advanced technical field consultant with Rent Kill good morning welcome to the home show good morning Sinead. now it's summer it, with all the lovely stuff that that brings um, also brings the kind of four and six legged friends out um, ants are a particularly big problem for people in the summer and I not speaking for a friend here <laughs> they're a big problem in my house now um, let's talk about 
that what attracts them how do you get rid of them more importantly and um and, and why do they seem so attracted to my kitchen so our ants it's our common and black garden ant lasis niger um which is the main one that we deal with um they're naturally in our environment a lot of the time when we've built extensions or patios or anything like that we're generally building over their colonies the start of the year, they're actually really beneficial to your garden because they're basically pest controllers. They take out other insects and creepy crawlies that do damage to your plants and stuff like that. Um, as the colony grows and as the weather gets warmer, it's when we change it with like um, fruit production and stuff like that. And they mm. sort of change their preference to sweet foods. So they start foraging, especially once the colony's getting bigger, they need to create more food for the larvae. Um, and that's when they start to come indoors. Right. Okay. So we've displaced them. We've made them homeless. Is that what you're doing? Don't make me feel sorry now for the ants. <laughs> Whatever you do, we're encroaching <laughs> on their environment. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um. Now, so what should you do to avoid that happening? I mean, I I know you can't kind of get rid of them all together, and they're fascinating to watch actually when they're carrying little bits of food and leaves and all um, that kind of thing. That aside, um, I I really don't want them inside. Vinegar. I I you is that a t- tip now? Because I'm saying because I used that last year and it worked. Vinegar. Yeah. It's sort of an old wife's tale thing um my nan would have done it I'm not saying you're an old wife i saw that look there um but um as if this wasn't going badly <laughs> enough. enough there's there's certain things they say like citronella and stuff as well will repel insects okay to a certain point sometimes these things will work but it's again more about weather conditions and how determined and how un- hungry the insect is yeah, they're very um, yeah. they've lasted a lot longer than yeah. we have already on the planet yeah a, a hell of a lot longer yeah. and the fact that they're trailing back and forth is literally when they go out foraging once one discovers a food source, it will emit a pheromone, and that's why they're in the little lines. They're not uh, as organised as you the think. Old, they're following the a chemical trail. Email. All right, exactly. Okay. Now, wasps. Um, okay, this really does upset a lot of people because um, they're afraid they get stung, and some people mm. get very, very badly injured with anaphylactic shock with mm. with wasps. Uh, like I get the bee, I get the job the bee does. The wasp, not so much. See again, the wasp gets a load of bad press. Yes. Um, it does, doesn't it? It's <laughs> You're like, oh no, it's wasps. Now, are you? To a point, to a point. Um, at the start of the year, as well, again, wasps pollinate, and wasps also are good sort of pest controllers. They take care of other insects. They get rid of other insects because again, they're feeding them to their larvae. The problem we get with the wasps is again, as the year goes long, especially towards the end of summer when fruit drops, it starts to ferment. The workers have a lot less to do, so they feed on the fermenting fruit. And they basically get drunk, and that's why they blabber about and attack you. I see, the drunken wasp. Yeah, they're drunk. I can't say I blame them. No, exactly. <laughs> we, we're probably doing do. the same in the garden. I was going to say it's like a, it's like a beer garden, but yeah. for wasps. Well, the fermenting grape. I mean, you know, we're all for a bit of that. Now, I have heard Richard that some people can get wasps in their attic. The kind of thought of that terrifies me if I'm asleep in the middle of the night. Um, so, how, how does that happen, and what do you do about that? Is that a specialist area? So, yeah. So t- traditionally, wasps like to nest in sort of hollows. So they like hollow trees, hollow logs. Um, embankments that sort of thing so when we've built lovely attics they're timber construction and they're quite hollow and they're Mm. also very warm because the hot air rises the building and they like that do they exactly and it's nicely and protected for them so the nest's well protected so um yeah we we we, in that case we're going to have to treat it so we need to look at um firstly we'll do a survey we'll have a look make sure there's no bats in the attic because bats being fully protected make sure your water tank's covered bats covered virus i don't want to we don't want to go back to the bat so so fully protected lovely little animal so um 
we, we have to check everything out and then we'll do a treatment to um, kill the nest. Okay, now another insect, of course, which makes its way into the house more often than we would like is the moth and it is a destroyer. Carpets, sweaters, sofas and sometimes you don't find out till the spring till you take everything back out again you find big holes in it. Why, why do they like that stuff so, so much? So it, it depends. There's certain species of moth. There's very few that actually damage textile, um, but it's a protein in naturally occurring fibres called keratin. So it's in your wool, it's in fur, it's in feathers, toenails, fingernails, believe it or not, antlers, um, horn, all that sort of thing. Um, and that's what they feed on, but it's only the larvae, it's the, the, the what we call the caterpillar stage that does the damage. It's that's the feeding. The moths are just there for reproduction. They fly about, mate, and pretty much die out. Right. Okay. Gosh. <clears throat> well, thank you. You've been extremely knowledgeable, Richard. I'm not sure I'm any more appeased by what you said. Um, and uh, from one old wife uh, to our, to another, let's ask our listeners, do you have any home remedies and old wives' tales out there to keep your wasps, ants and bugs at bay? Uh, I'm going to stick with the vinegar. I'm going to spread it liberally this summer and pretty much anything else, else I can get my hands on. Uh, Richard Faulkner of Rentkill, thank you very much for joining us thank on you for the having Home me. Show. Now, we had a huge reaction last week uh, to one item on the show, which was covered by Home of the Year winner Jennifer Sheehan. And it was about red brick floors in the home. Uh, I posted a picture of Jennifer's red brick floor on my Twitter and my goodness, hundreds of people responded to us. It was split fairly down the middle. Absolutely hated it or absolutely loved it. So I had a Marmite uh, reaction to that. A lot of the men thinking it was cool and fab and a lot of the women saying, yeah, I'd have to clean up all the crumbs and what if you spill a bottle of wine or something on it? Well, we thought we would ask Jennifer back this week to give us some more pearls of wisdom on the show. Jennifer, you're very welcome. Nice to see you in real life. Great to be here. (laughs) IRL, as the kids say. Um, Now, now, one of the things um, that you are brilliant at, Jennifer, because you've had to be had with your to be. gorgeous but tiny home, <laughs> is the whole area of storage. Yeah. So talk to me about how you can incorporate that into furniture. Yeah, that's one of the cleverest things because furniture is there anyway. So it's so hidden. You know, you can just throw things in there and it's it's gone. So it's not visible at all. So I have it in. I really wanted an L-shaped couch in that space, you know, just to pan out and fall asleep mm. in the evenings. Um, but I got a great tip from my couch supplier, Finline Furniture. They're brilliant to get an ottoman instead of the L-shaped bit. So ottoman. OK, what's an ottoman now? Those are those, there can be footstools. They can, they're usually the fabric covered pieces of furniture that sit kind of independently. So you'd see them usually at the end of chairs, oh, beside see. couches. And you can lift those and up. And you can lift them. And then there's storage underneath. Exactly. Fabulous. Exactly. Love it already. So mine goes with my couch. I have everything under there. Blankets. I don't have a TV. I have a projector. That goes underneath there. And it looks the same. And then it can be used as a footstool, a chair when you need it. It's a table half the time. I put a tray on it. Um, so that's fantastic. Really recommend that. And of course it can move around. So, and it can move around. So you can use it so for useful. all kinds of things. Brilliant. Now I know the other thing you're a fan of is is kind of doubling up on on multifunctional furniture and yeah. and seating is another one. Yeah. So I have in my dining area, I have built-in bench seating or banquette seating. So this I feel very strongly about. And if you have a small space or even a bigger space, I, I don't recommend. I actually insist that you, you get banquette seating. I love it. So you can fit in. Those benches then can be made to lift up. And that's actually a great tip because I've seen them with drawers underneath. 
very difficult to get at those drawers. You have to move your dining table. Oh, it's a bit of a pain. Oh, you're down on your hands and knees underneath. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so you're, so you're lifting the seat I up, lift up and the lid. turf everything in. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So you fit loads in there. And then you also need to store people in your tiny home. So you can fit a lot more people around there than you would around a traditional dining table with chairs. Mm. They can all squeeze in beside each other. Okay. Now, when it comes to kitchen units, um, I, like a lot of kitchens just come pre-made with mm-hmm. the units are wherever they go. But, but you ha- had put in kind of full floor to ceiling yeah. units is that because you wanted it to act as a room divider as much as anything else yeah that that I also really didn't want overhead cabinets I have a per- I personally don't like them there, there's okay. nothing wrong with them but I just I forget to close the doors and I bang my head it's a whole thing so I really needed to use that space above the fridge the kind of top gap that you'd usually see above cabinets so I have all sorts of things hidden away in there and I do need to climb on a little ladder yeah, to get at okay. them but you know yeah. it's the things I use maybe every few months the you know old bread maker so don't leave any kind of spare don't leave space yeah space there's no need I also have things. my favourite thing a tiny sliver a 10 centimetre sliver of a cabinet that goes between the end of my fridge and the wall so 10 centimetres 10 centimetres I would have thought just put a panel on it you know what am I going to get in there yeah. I have the world in there I have all my shopping bags gift bags broom sweeping brush Perry's food my little dog's food and toys and everything goes in there You, I think vertical slim spaces you'd be amazed what you can squeeze in there really so anything okay. you find and yeah. of course you can just stick up kind of hooks anywhere that's what I have little okay. command hooks and they're brilliant fantastic yeah. alright now in terms of storage in um you know, in wa- in walls and in mm. stairs and places like that. Under the stairs, not not a wasted space. Of course, Never. you don't have one now because you're you're in a. You're, do you have an? Upstairs? I have an upstairs okay. now. My bathroom is in my is in my oh, behind yeah. stairs. The yeah, stairs yeah, kind yeah. of wraps around it. Okay, but definitely, yeah, you can do amazing things with drawers under the stairs. I've also seen drawers in stairs, so the stair itself almost becomes a drawer that you can pull out oh, which I love fabulous. for shoes you know you come in the door yeah. and you kick your shoes off and you just pull out the stairs and throw your shoes in yeah, there if How only people actually that? did that right? Yeah. <laughs> instead of leaving them in the hall to clutter up okay hazards alright lots and lots of inspo there then for storage and storage units and actually a lot of it is just about thinking outside the box isn't yeah. it literally <laughs> and I have to say when I was thinking through it I was obsessed with watching YouTube videos on boats so boat design interiors, obviously, ah, I didn't because really they care about the outside. They don't miss an inch. They don't of miss space. an inch. Or camper vans, some of those really clever camper vans, and there's a massive tiny home movement. So go to YouTube, go to Pinterest, and look up those things. And there's lots of inspiration out there. Fantastic. All right. Uh, now, uh, take a listen to this, folks. <laughs> Right, for something completely uh, different. Uh, Now, a lot of people get a little bit scared, me included, by animal print. Um, I'm happy enough to wear it in tops and clothing and a hat and all that kind of thing. Bring it into the home sometimes just feels a kind of a step into gaudy. Yeah. So talk to me about how we can introduce print, animal print and that whole kind of jungle look into mm. the home safely. Safely. We're all about safety here. <laughs> Health and safety. In the water. Yeah. I blame Tiger King for a lot of the, you know, the backlash against Tiger print. I love it. I love it. I think you can go, you can do that full on 
clashing fabrics, everything. You know, I think that can look amazing. I love tropical, popical, you know, down on South William Street in Dublin. That's they have that the whole aesthetic and I yeah. love it. It's yeah. amazing. But there are other ways to kind of sneak it in nice and gently. So this is funny. I was thinking about this topic. I looked around my own house and I actually have animals everywhere. Oh, everywhere I so, do and I never really noticed but I clearly right. had it subconsciously so what kind of things now I, mm. have you been collecting that you didn't realise Didn't you, so where I have it and these are I think really good ways to work it in my blinds so the front of my house I have these lovely blinds it's a jungle palms pattern very popular palm trees very on monkeys trend. it's going yeah. to the zoo but the blinds are up all day so they're only down really for a little part of the day and you can hide them you know so it's a great way to just bring in that little that little pop if you want it I've also got and I love this a cowhide rug and I love that pattern because there are dozens and dozens of different types different mm-hmm. colours they can be really subtle some of them have that lovely goldy pattern um, I got Actually, mine from those those um, cow print those hide things are lovely I think with leather oh yeah with leather furniture fab. you know yeah. there's something just about that mix maybe it's the whole cowboy in the saddle thing yeah. you know? and it's really easy to keep clean because it's very short hair but mm. it still looks very warm and cosy and it brings that that lovely um, that lovely feeling and, and you can put it on I've seen them do it on stools on little chairs and it can you can get a really subtle print now is that a sustainable way maybe so, to use fabrics in your home very very so if you're opposed to using animal skins you can definitely get um, synthetic and that's fine but um, there's companies out there I got mine from Irish High Designs and they have a massive sustainability listen event. if you're going to be t- you know the animal's going to be stuck in the barbecue exactly. with Kevin Dundon cooking the steaks and I mean you might as well use the, the use hide the whole for something animal. yeah use yeah, the whole animal no just waste. make sure you know if you're looking into it that that animal has been reared in a nice environment and has had a good life yeah okay and of course sheepskin would come into that as well exactly you know, I have one of those too <laughs> full animal they're brilliant for throwing over couches especially if you've got a pet you know it's a really nice way to bring in a covering that yeah. isn't necessarily you know just a, a couch covering that okay now when it comes to maybe th- just very small steps that people might be more comfortable with taking cushions are a great cushions. way to start aren't they gorgeous and all my cushions as I noticed yesterday when I was thinking about this they either have parrots or they have flamingos or they have palms or something like that and I didn't even notice so it is a really subtle way to bring it in without going full you know zebra print animal splash mm. everywhere mm. Um, cushions can be fab really really nice I've also seen and I love this carpet runners so you could have this in the lesser used parts of your house this be the hall the hall the stairs and you can okay so I've seen lovely ones and I like them but you can do full leopard print but you can also get a really subtle colour so I've seen this gorgeous one I think it's alternative flooring the quirky bee patterns um, have this gorgeous pale grey with kind of white leopard print spots and it's really classy and really subtle but it's animal print you know so you're taking you're ticking the box Okay, and mm. of course, when it comes to mats and rugs and all of that, you can get kind of into that print yeah. j- just to give you that splash yeah. um, without going too scary, Mary, on it. Exactly. All right. Okay, now we had on um, a few months ago a taxidermist <laughs> on the show and I must say a kind of no more than Richard earlier talking about the bugs and the creepy crawlies. Yeah. It's kind of a marmite thing. It's not for everybody. Um taxidermy inspired furniture what's that all about so this is on the complete other end of the scale from pale grey patterns on your carpet these are couches I came across from a designer called Rodolfo Rochetti 
and All right. we can send maybe pictures or tweets after to <laughs> spell that. My Twitter it's go into meltdown if I do this, but okay. <laughs> it's not actual taxidermy, but he's made these couches and not only are they animal print, they're animal heads, they're animal feet, so you can get tigers, you can get panthers, you can get lions. It's it's a statement piece. You really want to go Why? for it. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Why would you do that, Jennifer? I don't know. I wouldn't personally, but you know, it could fit into a certain aesthetic. Right. I'm, I'm kind of obliged now to put that photograph up and just cross oh, our fingers to. for next week. All right. Are, is that kind of thing expensive? Uh, my sense of oh, it yeah. is you couldn't give it away. I, I, I couldn't even put a price on it. It, it would be priceless, I would say. <laughs> I am speaking It's what you want With Jennifer Sheehan Home of the Year winner And we are talking all things I think we've had quite enough Of animals on the show now so far Uh, Let us move uh, to a different item And we like normally At this uh, feature in the show To talk about a particular building Mm. uh, Or something inspirational That we like to mention From somewhere around the country Uh, And it is Pride Month It's Pride Month So uh, we thought we would talk about um, A really interesting building actually it's down in Temple Bar tell us a little bit about the Hirschfield Centre the Hirschfield Centre so this was set up in 1979 Um, David Norris led the charge on on setting it up and it was a really really important building for you know transforming the LGBTQ plus scene in in Dublin Um, looking at it itself it's not the most striking building but if you think about it in the context of the whole Temple Bar revitalisation in the early 80s you know that really was, was part of that movement um, so it was an old warehouse, dilapidated warehouse, and it was taken on and it was revitalised. It was a cinema, there was a restaurant there, and then, of course, there was Flickr's nightclub there, the famous Flickr's nightclub. Mm. And they really opened themselves up as a centre for uh, for people, for gay people in Ireland back in the 80s who might not have been welcome at home. They opened up on Christmas Day, um, and it was just a place for people to go when, at the time, there was no central place for people to go. So if you're walking past it now, um, it's Tola Vintage now in Temple Bar. Um, it's on Found okay. Street, 10 Found Street, you right. can find it. Um, and they had, it burned down, unfortunately, in 1985, um, but was done up again and, you know, it's now it's now fully in use. Um, and they put up a commemorative plaque a couple of years ago. So if you're in the Little Museum of Dublin, you can go and see that. Um, really nice to, to go and see it. So it's gorgeous. It's a very Georgian style building, fully mm. in keeping with the area. And it's just very emblematic of that, that Temple Bar revolution and how far we've come, I think. Yes, yeah. yeah. And it seems um, to me extraordinary that there had to be safe spaces. Yeah. Uh, for yeah. people uh, who are gay to to congregate and meet, um, and and it's you know it wasn't that long ago, Jennifer. It's and living memory, yeah. yeah. It's it's Early just memory. really um, terrible. Yeah, and I mean I'm old enough now to remember a time when when all of that um, extraordinary movement was going on, led as you say mm. by David Norris and others. Um, it was illegal. I it, I, mean, I know it's hard. On. It, it is so it is hard to believe in mm. this day and age. And yet, and yet, it was only a few short weeks ago that we saw the panty bar down in oh. George Street, graffiti on Absolutely it. Um, down in Waterford, uh, burning the, the so called inverted comma loops. You yeah. know, straight pride posters going absolute. I mean, I mean, you'd have to wonder at what gets into people's heads that they just can't leave other people to be. Yeah. to be. And still the importance of those types of spaces then remains, you know, and this is just Ireland. We've come so far. We're proud of how far we come. But if this kind of thing is still going on, you know, those places and pride and the activities that are going on at the moment are still so important. So it's great to see it. Indeed. Now, you said that that is a 
the Hirschfield Centre now has a commemorative plaque on it and it has um, it has a Ulysses quote a James Joyce quote yeah it does have a Ulysses quote what does quote. it say okay so I haven't personally read Ulysses I might stumble over this but let's give it a go so it says in Founza Street Dilly Dedalus straining her sight upward from Chardinal's first French primer saw sunshades spanned and wheel spokes spinning in the glare Jennifer Sheehan, a Home of the Year winner and contributor now to the Home Show. Thank you so much for bringing that. You actually acted that very, very well. <laughs> Thanks very much. New career there. <laughs> Thanks for having me. 